Take and celebrate the Lord Jesus. You may please be seated. I want to believe everybody has their expectation cards. Right, and um, you have filled it. One of the things we're going to be doing throughout um, is praying on those expectation cards. And if I were you, one of the things I would also do, right, is to pick up a testimony card as an act of faith. You see, um, when you pick up those testimony cards, you can use them as a point of contact. Now, Royal Gas, please don't give it out. Let those who need it ask for it, right? Um, if I were you, that is what I would just do. So that when you see the testimony card, you use it as a point of contact to remind God that in your whole life is word not fall to the ground. And I pray for you tonight that in your life the word of God will not fall to the ground. I want to welcome you to Codred Revival 2023. Oh, everybody's not excited. Don't worry, you will soon be excited. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want us to know that this is more than a conference. Um, anyone that understands the way ministry works, you know that any pastor that is in his right frame of mind will not just wake up one day and say, let us have a conference. Because if you understand what it takes, you know, um, to have a meeting, a conference, especially days, um, you know that it's a lot. And when I say a lot, I'm not just talking about in terms of just finances. A lot goes on behind the scene that you cannot even see and that you may never know of. So every time God calls us together as a people, please let's have it at the back of our mind, right? That it's because he wants to do something exceptional in our lives. And you say, when people hear about the word revival, I want to give us, you know, an accurate understanding of what the revival is before I go into what I want to talk about tonight. You see, most times when people think about revival, they are thinking of a crusade. Especially a crusade for sinners, you know, um, when you go to a location, um, maybe um, some interland and you organize meetings and um, you give an altar call and people come out. While that is very important and that's a critical part of a revival, please understand that revival is not limited to that. A revival is not just a crusade for sinners. It is an increased measure of God's operation among his people. A revival is an increased measure of God's operation among its people. Can you just play the strings very low, not too loud? So in Psalms 85 and verse 6, Psalms chapter 85 and verse 6, the Bible says, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Now, I love this question that David asked God. He said, will you not revive us again? Because it simply means that when you experience a true revival, alongside with that revival will come joy. That's why one of the things Jesus said, he said that, ask and keep asking until your joy is full. And one of the hallmarks of a revival is that you have experiences in God and with God that will bring you to the place of fullness of joy. I love the way the Passion Translation puts it. It says, revive us again, O God. I know you will. Give us a fresh start. Then all your people will taste your joy and gladness. I love that. He said, give us a fresh start. So one of the things a revival does is that it gives you a fresh start. And so for us in the Gateway Church, we are very sensitive 
of times and seasons. For many people, there is no difference between January and July. For many people, there is no difference between days and dates. They just believe every day is the same. But the Bible tells us otherwise. The Bible tells us that God created the times and the seasons. And you see, one of the reasons why I can tell you this categorically, that a, a, a time, especially the time in which you are in, for instance, June and July, is very critical in God's agenda in the life of his people. It's because of what the Bible says in Abacot chapter 3 and verse 2. Can we have it on the screen? I want everybody to see it. Abacot chapter 3 and verse 2. Abacot chapter 3 and verse 2. I want us to read it together. One to go. Oh Lord, I've had your speech and was afraid. Oh Lord, revive your work when? When? So it simply means that the Bible acknowledges that there is a time that is the midst of the year. So if there is a midst of the year, there is a beginning part of the year, there is a latter part of the year. And so it is wisdom for you and I to ensure that when you are about to step out of the season, you are adequately prepared and equipped for the next season you are about to step into. Also, we thank God for January, February, March, April, May, and for the month of June. We thank God for what he has done. But we know that there is more in God. Oh, does somebody agree with me tonight? There is more in God. There are many things that God will have you and I know. There are many things he would have us see. There are many things he wants to do in our lives. And that's why the psalmist says, give us a fresh start. And so I don't know what has you know, being in your plan from January, you know, till now, that you believe that by now would have achieved this. And it seems as if those things, they have not yet happened. I've come to tell you tonight that God is giving you a fresh start. Oh, I thought somebody was going to say a bigger amen. God is going to give you a fresh start. It's going to give that business a fresh start. It's going to give your family a fresh start. In the name of Jesus. One of the things God said to me a couple of weeks ago while I was meditating about Codred Revival is he said he's going to be doing five things in this second half of the year. Five things specifically. And I want you to write it down. It may not be a word for everyone, but for everyone connected to this house, you need to pay attention to these five things. Number one, he said in the second half of 2023, as a spiritual family, it's going to lift. It's going to lift. Number two, he said it's going to prosper us. So number one, it's going to lift us. Number two, it's going to prosper us. Number three, he said it's going to guide us. So it simply means that in the second half, you will enjoy divine guidance like never before. You know, there are some people that say things like, you know, I've never heard God. God has never led me. In the second half, his voice will be clearer to you. And what that simply means is that there will be no error in your decisions. Because anywhere God guides, he says, I'm the God that leads you in the way that you should profit. When God leads you, there is a guarantee that where he has led you, you are going to profit in that place. And so he said, number one, he's going to lift us. Number two, he said, he's going to prosper us. Number three, he said, he's going to guide us. Number four, he said, he's going to heal us. Oh, I thought somebody was going to say big amen. And so if there is anybody in this house, you're trusting God for one healing or the other. 
Maybe there is a pain in your body or maybe you're even going through something nobody knows about. One of the things in the next few minutes I'm going to be praying for you before the end of this service, somebody will receive healing. In the name of Jesus. You know, something happened to me, was it yesterday, you know, I just, when we got to church in the morning, the 6 a.m. prayers, I just started feeling seriously sick. It's been a while I felt that way. You know, and um, my wife was like, I should go home. I said, no, I can't go home. There's so many things that still left to be put in place. You know, and sometimes in the night, um, after the 12 a.m. prayer, this midnight, I was just thinking about it. I said, no, 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 no. So at a point, I told my wife, I said, I know the spiritual disciplines I've subjected myself to in the past couple of weeks in preparing for Kudre revival. I said, one thing I can tell you is that the devil is afraid of what is about to happen. He's afraid. He's afraid. And number two, God just told me this morning, the early hours of this morning, he said, that pain you are going through that you just experienced in your body is what some people are experiencing in the Gateway Church. He said, and I'm about to take it away. And so I decree and I declare right now, if there be anyone under the sound of my voice, all eyes closed, if you are trusting God for healing in any part of your body, I want you to lay your hands on it. If it's not a place you can touch, place your hand on your head. And Father, in the name of Jesus, on the count of seven, I decree and I declare, let the pain live now. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Out in the name of Jesus. From the crown of your head to the soles of your feet, let the life of God flow now. In the name of Jesus. Oh, the Bible says concerning the children of Israel. He said, none was feeble amongst them. I decree and I declare, let every feebleness come to an end. In the name of Jesus. You were one of the greatest instruments of the devil in devouring people's finances. Is sickness and diseases. I decree and I declare, no more. No more. No more. Sickness will no longer be associated with you. If you believe it, say a very big amen. May please be seated. Before the end of the service, it's going to happen. You know, just take your mind off it. Whoever is trusting God for healing, take your mind off it. And in case I forget, someone should, rem- should remind me. We're going to ask for the testimony. It's going to be an instant talk. Instant working of miracles. Number five, he said it's going to bless us. <laughs> he said it's going to bless us. Oh, somebody say I'm the blessed of the Lord. Get ready for an unusual blessing this year. So these five things, I want you to pay attention to it. Number one, he said it's going to lift us. Number two, he said it's going to prosper us. Now, let me tell you what prosper means. When you hear prosperity... The average person just thinks of money. No, it's beyond that. Prosperity simply means wholeness. It means nothing missing, nothing broken. Number two, it also means to go forward forcefully. The original word, the Hebrew word for to prosper is the word salak. T-S-A-L-A-C-H. You see... The Bible says, believe in the Lord your God. That's 2 Chronicles, I believe, chapter 20 and verse 20. 
He said, believe in the Lord your God, he says, and you shall be established. He says, believe also in his prophets and you shall prosper. That word prosper is salak. It simply means to go forward forcefully. And I decree and declare that will be your testimony this year. In the name of Jesus. So the question is, what is a revival? What is a revival? A revival, please write this down, is a stirred up move of the spirit upon people of all age groups and status. A revival is a stirred up move of the spirit upon people of all age groups and status that culminates in a fresh passion for God and the interest of his kingdom. A revival is a stirred up move of the spirit upon people of all age group and status that culminates in a fresh passion for God and the interest of his kingdom. Why did, this, did I say a stirred up move of the spirit? Because many people have erroneously believed that a revival is God's prerogative. Nothing can be further from the truth. Oh, I used to believe that too for many years. You know, that a revival, God just makes it happen. That you wait for a revival. If you wait for a revival, you may wait for the rest of your life. Remember the man at the pool of Bethesda in John chapter 5? The Bible says the man was waiting for 38 years. For 38 years. For a man that would carry him into the water. Now I strongly believe that if the man had not seen other people, right, being carried by other men into the water, it wouldn't have been a basis of expectation. Somebody understand what I just said? For 38 years. But one of the things he didn't realize is that he could have taken initiative that without a man, he could still have gotten what he needed. And so he needs to understand that a revival, one of the ways that it happens is that God will put a burden in your heart. You know, on Sunday, I, I, I thought on how to overcome depression. And let me tell you this. Um, it's, it's, it's a message that I wish I had enough time to teach because I rushed so many things. Let me tell you this. When you are going through a feeling of depression, sometimes it's because God is about to bring something new into your life and your spirit is catching up on it. It is becoming dissatisfied with where you currently are. I hope somebody just got what I said. You see, because if you are okay with the, your life the way it is, you will not have a depressed feeling. And that's one of the ways I know when God is about to bring a shift into my life, I just become uncomfortable. I just become dissatisfied. I won't be able to explain. And most times when that happens, what God wants to do is he's creating that dissatisfaction so that he can drive into the place of prayers. Because there is nothing that you can do that. See, therapy is good. There is nothing wrong with it. But there are some depressions therapy cannot cure. Because it is God that has placed that body in there. And until you get into the place of prayers, you may never understand why you are feeling that way. So please realize this, that a revival is not just God's prerogative. I think it was Smith Wigglesworth who said many years ago, he said, if the spirit does not move me, I will move the spirit. Powerful statement. If the spirit does not move me, I will do what? I will move the spirit. Many of us have waited for the spirit for too long. Like that man at the pool of Bethesda. In these five days, we will move the spirit. In the name of Jesus. 
Please understand that a revival is also a move of the spirit that unleashes on God's people an insatiable longing for supplication. It is a move of the spirit that unleashes on God's people an insatiable longing for supplication that results in massive salvation of souls, transformation of destinies, and church growth. Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, the Bible says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. For we know not what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. So it simply means there is a place you get to after you have prayed in your own words and you have prayed all you know there is to pray. You need the Spirit of God to help you. You need the Spirit of God to help you. You know, somebody said something and I believe it. You know, today we have a lot of people praying online and doing so many things and you see people wearing it as a badge of honor. You know, I prayed 30 minutes, I prayed 2 hours, I entered into some portals and realm. People who pray don't announce it. It is their results that announces that they've prayed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you're announcing it, you have not really entered into a prayer life. You haven't. In Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10, God speaking said, I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication. And they shall look upon me, whom they have pierced. The emphasis there is that it will pour out the spirit of grace and supplication. So it simply means there is something referred to as the spirit of supplication. The spirit of prayer. Whenever you get to a point where you say, I want to pray for one hour. <laughs> and you just realize that by the time that one hour has passed, you know that you have not prayed. How many of us know what I'm talking about? You've experienced it before. You just know that this one hour, I've not entered anywhere. You continue two hours. You still know that mm -mm, it's not time to stop. That's what God is saying here. He says, I will pour out the spirit of grace. And, and look at the supplication is plural. He said that supplications. So it simply means it's not something that should happen once in your life. It's something that should happen several times. I'm still laying the foundation. In Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 7 to 8. Let's have it on the screen, please. Isaiah 66, verse 7 to 8. I want us to read it together. Are we ready? Let's go. Before she traveled, she brought forth. Before her pain came, she was delivered of a man child. Who has had such a thing? Now, you need to understand how King James Version is describing it. He said the impossible. He now said, has anybody had of such a thing? Because it is impossible. That's what he's trying to say. He said, who has had of such a thing? Who has seen such things? That before you bring forth, right? He said, before she traveled, she brought forth. Before her pain, she was delivered of a man child. He's trying to say it's not possible. He said, shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? He says, but as soon as Zion traveled, she brought forth her children. So what he's trying to say there is there are many things that will never happen in our lives if we don't travel. See, let me tell you, our generation really does not have word problem. 
what our generation has a problem with is prayer. And did you notice that Jesus never said, my house shall be called a house of the word. He said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Oh, what the word of God. You know, this is a word-based church. And we're never going to lose sight of that. But please understand. <laughs> you can know so much word, and yet your life is not reflecting what you know. Because there is a power, there is a spirit that must back up what you know for you to produce results. Trust me. And it is not a good place to be for you to know so much, yet produce so little. It's a frustrating place to be. Because that knowledge will keep haunting you because we know you should be better than this. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 19. Apostle Paul was saying concerning the Galatian church. He said, my little children, and please, when he's talking about my little children here, he's not talking about age. He's talking about maturity level. So he wasn't writing to Greenhouse. He wasn't writing to children's church. He was talking about the fact that they had not grown. He said, my little children, of whom I travel in birth again. So it means this is not the first time I'm doing it. Until Christ will be formed in you. This was a church that had refused to grow. So it was making them understand that one of the ways we will break out of this childishness. Or ch- is, uh, is, is that correct? Is for you to travel. He said, I've been doing that for you. And the only way Christ can be formed in you is for you to travel. So please note that a revival is provoked principally through prayer. And we're going to be doing a lot of that during this Kudre revival. Because one of the principal ways you provoke a revival is through prayer. If not the only way. If not the only way. So revival is provoked principally through prayer. And we must never lose sight of that. When do you need a revival? In case somebody is asking that, let me answer that question. Get it out of the way before I go into tonight's message. When do you need a revival? Number one. When religion and business for God has taken priority over prayer and personal word study. When religion and business, not business, business, has taken priority in your life over prayer and word study. <laughs> One of the most dangerous places to be for a child of God is to be busy working for God without knowing the God of the work. You're so busy. You're so busy. <laughs> You're busy doing everything. Busy leading people. Busy monitoring those who are not joining morning prayers. That you yourself you are not praying. <laughs> You're not the right scripture to quote. You are always in every service. But there is no time for personal prayer. No time for personal study. See, let me tell you this. When you realize you are doing everything, yet there is still an emptiness in your spirit, you need a revival. You are in church at the right time. You do everything you have been told to do. But yet, you just know. You know that. Mm-mm. 
You see, let me tell you this. This is not something anybody can tell you. Because every human being is a spirit. Whether saved or unsaved. You know when you are disconnected. And you know one thing is this. It is not the wrong things that deplete us. It is doing the right things that deplete us. I'm going to explain. If you buy a car, or you have a car, and you drive the car, huh, for a while, won't you need to service that car? Right? You need to take it for alignment and balancing, isn't it? Did you do something wrong with the car for you to need servicing? It is because you are even doing the right thing with the car. That's why the car needs servicing. So it is because you are doing the right things that you are depleted, not because you are doing the wrong things. And oftentimes people don't get that. That's why in Matthew 7 and verse 22 to 23, let's have it on the screen. I want us to see this. Very important. Matthew chapter 7, verse 22 to 23. Matthew chapter 7, 22 to 23. The Bible says, Many will say to me in that day, please let's all look at it. This scripture is very important. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And in your name have we not cast out devils? And in your name we have done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that walk in equity. Did you see that Jesus did not say anything about the work they claimed to have done? They said, we did. Jesus didn't say you didn't do it. So he agreed that they did it. What he addressed was that he didn't know them. I didn't have a relationship with you, even though you were working for Number two, you need a revival when you notice an apathy to the things of God. When you notice that there is an apathy in your life towards the things of God, then you need a revival. Ah, and there is no generation like our generation that needs this. Anywhere you turn to, there is so much apathy. Disinterest. Everybody is interested in everything else except what matters to God. In Psalms 110 and verse 3, the Bible says, In the days of his power, his people shall be willing. Another translation puts it as, His people shall be enthusiastic in the days of his power. In Agai chapter 1 and verse 2, the Bible says, Thus speaks the Lord of all, saying, These people say, The time has not come. The time that the Lord's house should be built, it has not come. So they are interested in every other thing except the house of God. So that one, we can always do it later. And see, these are not unsaved people. These are God's people. So it simply means you can be in God's house, yet you have lost your interest for the things of God. I see, it does not happen to sinners. It happens to born-again Christians. You can, become, you can be a believer and you get to a point in your life and you just feel, this church itself is too much. This God thing is too much. When you realize you are getting to, you are getting to that place, you need to lock yourself up and refuel yourself. Number three, you need a revival. When you have a numbness towards the condition of the lost around you, when you have a numbness towards the condition of the lost around you, to be numb simply means you feel no emotion. I remember where I saw it, but I think it was between today and yesterday. I saw a picture online, you know. 
and um, this guy was wearing a t-shirt. Um, I've forgotten what they wrote on it, but it was um, an LGBT guy. And under whatever, they wrote something about Jesus is not here or something like that. You know, used all their colors, you know. Um, and had an image of a goat's head, you know. And anybody that has studied those things, you know, that's Baphomet. You know, had the image of Baphomet. And the person wrote there that these guys are so bold about what they are doing. But believers are so timid about what we carry. You know, as a church, our workers are going through a six-month training now. One of the questions I ask in writing our test is a deliberate question. And I'm sure some of us will be wondering why I asked you that question. When was the last time you went on outreach? Some of us is even foreign to us. You know, there's a level you can get to where you become so comfortable that you think it's beneath your status to talk to people about Jesus. You feel it's beneath your... You know, some people even say, I will just stand on the road. And give somebody flower. What if what if they just look at me anyhow? It's because you have a reputation to protect that you feel someone is looking at you somehow. When you notice that you don't even care about people's salvation, you don't care about who is saved, who is not saved. You know, it's a shame that some believers you see people that are not saved around you, and you are more concerned about their material things than their soul. What you are saying is Jiwa gonna range over. You've forgotten that no matter how long that person lives, maximum, I don't know if any human being has lived 150 years in recent human history. He won't drive that, they won't bury him with that G-Wagon. And if he lives for 150 years, it is still a speck. The fraction of a fraction of a fraction of what he will live in eternity. And yet many of us are not concerned. When you get to that point, where you no longer think about the fact that there is a heaven and there is a hell. Oh, you need serious revival. In Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 1 to 4. The Bible says the words of Nehemiah, the son of Akalia. He came to pass in the month Chislio, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan the palace, that Anani, one of my brethren, Nehemiah, okay, he said, he came. <coughs> and certain men of Judah and I asked them concerning the Jews that escaped which were left of the captivity and concerning Jerusalem and they said unto me the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach the wall of Jerusalem also is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire and it came to pass when I heard these words I sat down and did what? And wept. And months certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Nehemiah was a government official. He was one of the king's most trusted officials. Yet, the Bible says when he heard that people came from Jerusalem, when he heard the state of Jerusalem, the Bible says he broke down and he wept. When was the last time you wept at the depravity of and immorality in our generation. When was the last time? When was the last time you broke your heart? When was the last time? Some of us even see it and just, now it has become normal. You just see some things on social media, you just scroll past. You don't even laugh. You laugh at things that are not supposed to be funny. 
we laugh at things that in the generation of our parents, it would have drove them into seven days of dry fast. We laugh over it. We even share it. Have you seen this? What should end with you? You share it. You become a dispenser of evil. The Imam said, when I had, I wept. He didn't only weep, he fasted. He said, I prayed and fasted before the God of heaven for seven days. Number four, you need a revival. When you have an increase in knowledge but very little transformation. Increase in knowledge but very little transformation. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 7. The Bible says they are ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You read so much. <laughs> but your life is not just reflecting it. Number five, you need a revival. When sin, evil, and carnality multiplies on a massive scale in your life. The things that was not a temptation to you, when it becomes a temptation, it is time for a revival. So number five, you need a revival when sin, evil, and carnality multiplies in your life, especially on a massive scale. Especially on a massive scale. Especially on a massive scale. When the things that will, you will find repulsive now becomes attractive to you. But let me tell you this. As a faith community, I strongly believe that it is not just our church that needs a revival. I believe that the entire body of Christ needs a revival. Needs a revival. Why do I say that? Today, when you go for weddings, you can hardly tell the difference between the wedding of a believer and an unbeliever. You can hardly tell born again chief bridesmaids, or what do they call them? Is it bridesmaids or what? I should be girls. Okay, well, that's what they call them now. You can hardly tell. You know, I remember there was a time that I used to, you know, have the time to go with my wife, you know, to almost all our events. And I remember there were times that I was shocked when they said, oh, the bride's friend should pray for the bride. And I saw these almost naked women praying in tongues. I was like, this cannot be tongues. Because you cannot carry the spirit of God on your inside. And when you were stepping out of your house, you did not know something was wrong. No, 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 no. That's not the, that's not the spirit of God. That's not the spirit of God. And it's because some of these things, we no longer talk about it. Oh, I can come here and prophesy all through. But I'm not going to do that. It's all oh, the remaining days of the year. I'm going to get to that. Because there are words the spirit of God has impressed upon my heart to prophesy over us. But we need to get the foundation right. God wants to bless his people, not bastards. When we say we are sons and daughters of God, you see, you know there are people that when you've not even met their parents or met the child, when you see that the parents or the child, you can say, ah, this is also a person's child. Why? Because of the lookability. That's my own construction. You can say they look alike. When people see our lives, can they see the lookability of Jesus? Can they see our lives and say, oh, these people, they look exactly like Christ. 
Because that's where Christianity came from. The Bible says they saw the disciples and they knew they had been with Jesus. They were not the ones announcing, oh, we are Christians. As a matter of fact, Christianity is a title given by unbelievers, not a title that believers claim for themselves. So it simply means until an unbeliever looks at you and says you are a Christian, you are not truly one. I don't truly want. Isaiah 26 and verse 20. Isaiah 26 and verse 20. This is God's word to us as a people. And that's what we are here to do for these five days. It says, Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers and do what? Shut thy doors about thee. Hide yourself as it were. For how long? For a little moment. See, what really changes your life does not have to take long. But those moments of separation, you must have it. How of us have experienced this before? Those of us that maybe you drive. You are in a hurry to go somewhere. You are so much in a hurry. But you notice that there is not much fuel in the car. But you say, let me just keep going. You know, the time it takes to fuel the car does not take long. It's just a little moment. But if you don't give the car that little moment, you may be stranded on the way. It's the same thing with our lives and our destinies. We can keep running, keep moving. Keep hustling. And you think, oh, it is too much time to separate a whole five days too fast. By the way, we fast in eight days, not five days. Five days to come to church. Am I the one that killed Jesus? No, but he died for you. That's so much. It is but a little moment compared to where God wants to take you. He says, hide yourself. He says, until the indignation be overpassed. See, let me tell you this. There are times, especially in seasons like this, that God will expect you to hide yourself. Not just to prepare you for what is to come, but to also protect you from what is happening. And some of these things is in retrospect and in eternity that we will get a full picture. Is somebody getting blessed tonight? So in the next few minutes I have, I want to teach on what I've titled How to Consistently Experience Victory. In the midst of oppositions. Oh, because in the remaining days of this year, you'll be victorious. Oh, I thought somebody was going to say bigger amen. In the remaining days of this year, you'll be victorious. In your business. In your family. Financially. In the name of Jesus. So it is possible for a man to get to a place in his or her life. Where you are consistently victorious. A believer can live in a perpetual state of victory. A believer can live in a perpetual state of victory. Exodus chapter 17 and verse 8 to 14. That's going to be my text. Exodus chapter 17 and verse 8 to 14. The Bible says, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out. Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow, I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. 
So Joshua did as Moses had said to him, and he fought with Amalek and Moses, Aaron, and all went up to the top of the hill, and it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hor stayed up his hands, stayed up his hands, the one on one side and the one on the other side, and his hands were heavy until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited, that's all the English word for he was victorious. He discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Hamalek from under heavens. Things you need to note about opposition. Number one, oppositions are a part of life. Oppositions are a part of life. As a believer, you must realize that you will experience opposition. <laughs> Some people will, you know, there are different things that preachers say when they want people to give their life to Christ. Give your life to Christ so that all your battles will come to an end. It's a lie. In fact, it even makes you a candidate for battles, as it were. <laughs> so when you give your life to Christ, no more trouble. No, no, no. Jesus didn't say that. What Jesus said is that in the world, you will have many tribulations. He said, but rejoice, for I have overcome the world. So you and I must get to that point where we realize that oppositions are a part of life. In your business, in your career, in your family, you will experience oppositions. Amen? <laughs> Maybe that person slept off. <laughs> so they just added and said, Amen. That's Uticus. I'm just remember Uticus from Deep Dive. <laughs> it's okay. At least you are still in the presence. So it's fine. <laughs> so oppositions are part of life. You know, the Bible says that David fought Goliath before he became a national hero. I hope we know that. I want us to realize that Goliath is more than a person. It's a spirit. And everyone at a stage in our lives who we have to fight our own Goliath. The reign of Saul ended the day he refused to fight Goliath. You know the problem of Saul? Saul became a king without facing any opposition. That was why I couldn't sustain that position. So in business, in career, financially, you will go through oppositions. In that industry, you will go through oppositions. The second thing you need to realize about oppositions is that it is a constant on the path of greatness. Anyone that we amount to much in life and destiny will face oppositions. So don't be alarmed. When you are going through oppositions, don't be alarmed. Don't be discouraged. Don't start asking questions like, God, why me? Why is this happening? Why not you? Oh, God, why, why, why are you allowing this happen to me? With everything I've done. And when people are not properly trained, that is when they begin to allow their mouth to cause them to sing. Oh, God, with everything I have done, what have you done? He has done more for you. Did you die for him? He died for you. In fact, I strongly believe that you need to beware of a path without opposition. It is not a path leading anywhere. 
when God promised the children of Israel that he was going to give them the promised land, when they got to the promised land, what did they see there? Giants. And they said, ah, we are not able to see. They should have been surprised or they should have been afraid if they got to the promised land and there was nobody there. Because there is nothing God wants to give you or no place God wants to give you that does not have a current occupant. No place. No place. So that business breakthrough you are trusting God for in the remaining days of this year. That job you are trusting God for. That space in your industry, someone is already occupying it. In fact, not someone. Some people are already occupying it. Remember that Goliath was not the only giant that David defeated. The Bible told us that there were other giants that his own men also had to defeat. In fact, one of those giants, after David had grown in age, the Bible says one of those other giants was going to kill David. Save for one of his soldiers, one of his men that he had trained. And from that day they said, no, you are not going with us to the battle anymore. You have outgrown this stage. But please understand this. On the path, any path worth going, you will always find oppositions. So sometimes when you are faced with opposition, it is an indication you are on the right path. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, some people have never experienced any challenge before in their life. Get ready. Because it's coming good measure, president, shaking together and running over. You are just procrastinating the inevitable. Oh, you are... See, <laughs> there are some things that no matter what you do, it will happen. It will happen. So it's not about... A, a matter of if is a matter of when. So what you need to do is to prepare yourself, right, to ensure that you are victorious when the oppositions eventually show up. The other thing you need to understand about opposition is that your life and destiny will never be greater than the level of victory you have experienced over oppositions. Your life and your destiny will never be greater than the level of victory you have experienced over oppositions. So, if you experience little victory or you experience, uh, sorry, you have victory over little oppositions, you have little greatness. If you defeat or you overcome great oppositions, then you have a great destiny. Oppositions also are opportunities to change level. That's why nobody goes to the next class in the school system without writing exams. Isn't it? See, things don't get better with time. Some people believe that with time, it will just get better. Those who told you that, they lie to you. Things only get better when you are victorious over the opposition. Because things even get worse with the passage of time. Have you noticed? They don't get better. If you leave things to themselves or to itself, it will get worse. That's why no matter how luxurious a home is, uh, or a car, buy a Rolls Royce, pack it for one year or two years, come back to that car, and see if it will still be, be drivable. No. The natural order of things in the world in which we live in is that they get worse. That's the natural order. If you buy a house, you travel, you come back to the house five years' time, you may not be able to live in the house. You will find cracks on the wall. Next, the anointing does not exempt you from oppositions. In fact, it makes you a target for oppositions. Hmm. 
Do you know that David didn't have to fight Goliath until Samuel anointed him? So one of the things that's going to be happening during this Kodre revival, most likely maybe Friday or Saturday, we're going to be having an anointing service. We're going to be having an anointing service. So, one of the things that will make you realize you are anointed is that bigger oppositions will begin to show up. And the reason why they are showing up is because God is about to announce you or take you to your next level. Because there is no advancement without victory over opposition. There is none. There is none. In fact, it is when you have become victorious over, over opposition, it is during those processes you are able to build muscles. Build your spiritual muscles and capacity to undo the next level. One of the ways the devil keeps us in defeat is to make us believe. Please, this is a mouthful, but please listen before you write it. One of the ways the devil keeps us in defeat is to make us believe God is going to make us victorious when he has already made us victorious. That's very important. It's an important factor you must note about oppositions. The devil will always make you believe that you are not yet victorious even when God has already made you victorious. See, as a child of God, understand this. You are not fighting for victory. You are fighting from victory. I've said that to us a couple of times. You are fighting from victory. You see, what the serpent told Eve in the Garden of Eden is still the same trick he's using till now. Same trick. What's the trick? When you hit of the tree, you will become a god. When God already said in Genesis 1, 26 to 28, he says, let us make man in our own image after our own likeness and let them have dominion. God already made man to be like himself. But the serpent said no. It is until you hit of the tree that God said you should not hit off. That is when you become a God. So what was the devil trying to say? It is when you do this that you will have what God already gave you. In Luke 10, 19, Jesus said, I've given you power to tread upon snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. He says that nothing shall by any means hurt you. So, you and I, we have been given the power, the authority to be victorious over the oppositions of life. Not to be. But we already are victorious. So, one of the things we need to understand is that when you are confronted with oppositions, your responsibility is to establish that victory. So, you are not praying for victory. God, make me victorious. No, you are already victorious. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you are already victorious. Areas where you need victory. Number one, you need victory over lack. You need victory over lack. That's why Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, the Bible says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Let me tell you this. Lack is, not, is more than an economic situation. It's a spiritual reality. Because when God made man, man never had an understanding of lack until man fell. You see, when Adam opened his eyes, when Eve opened their eyes, they opened their eyes into abundance. Everything man was ever going to need, God already provided before man woke up. So it is not normal for a man, especially a child of God, to be in a state of consistent lack and insufficiency. It's not normal. It's not normal. There is nothing that agrees with that in all scripture. It is not. 
And so you and I must understand that one of the areas in which we need victory is in the area of lack. Number two is victory over stagnation. Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 6. The Bible says the Lord that God spoke unto us at Oreb saying, You have dwelt long enough in this mountain. Proverbs 4 and verse 18. He says the path of a just man is as a shining light and it shines more and more unto the perfect day. You need to be victorious over stagnation. A believer is not supposed to stay on the same spot for too long. And in Deuteronomy 1 and verse 6, that conversation happened between God and Moses after he had taken them across the Red Sea. Naturally, you should just enjoy that victory. You've been in slavery for over 400 years and God brought out generations. I just be enjoying it. God said, thank God for what I've done. <laughs> he didn't say that. Just my own paraphrase. Fantastic what I've done. But you know what? This is not the end. Keep moving. Keep moving. See, current success can become future stagnation. Never forget that. What is a breakthrough today that you are celebrating, you are excited about? If you are not careful, a year from now it can become stagnation. That's why the life of a believer must consistently advance. The path of a just man is as a shining light and it shines more and more, even unto the perfect day. More and more. More and more. That's one of the reasons I love that word you know, for the season. He says the Lord shall increase you more and more. So whatever it is you call increase today, there is more on the horizon. There is more. There is more. And so you and I need to understand that what, another area God wants to give us victory is in the area of stagnation. I pray for you. May you never know stagnation anymore. In the name of Jesus. Oh, may stagnation come to an end. In whatever area of your life where stagnation has become your identity. Within these five days, may an end come to it. In the name of Jesus. Also victory over sickness. One of the ways the devil limits people's life is by giving them sickness. Because what this sickness does is that it literally eats up your life, your time, your resources. You see, everything that is required to live a good life and a fulfilling life is what sickness takes away from you. Have you noticed? Takes it away. And Romans 8 and verse 11. The Bible says, if that spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in your mortal body. Oh, can we have it on the screen? Can we all read it together? It says, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall do what? Quicken your mortal bodies by spirit that dwells in you. Oh, say the spirit of God dwells in me. Oh, that's not everybody. Say the spirit of God dwells in me. And he quickens my mortal body. Therefore, sickness has no place in my life, in my body, from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. The life of God is flowing. Therefore, I am victorious over every sickness, over every disease. Whatever God has not planted in my body is uprooted. When? Now. Jesus name so God wants us to be victorious over sickness sickness should not be an opposition that you are nursing week in week out, month in month out 
Because sickness can be a major opposition. Haven't you noticed that there is nobody that has achieved anything major in life and human history that is not seen a major sickness? You can't be on the sick bed and achieve much with life. You can't. <laughs> you know one of the amazing things? Haven't you noticed that when people are hospitalized and their loved ones here, everybody comes around. With every day, the visitation reduces. Haven't you noticed? Ten people can come the first day. <laughs> the next day, eight. <laughs> After that, they will be calling. Next, they might not even remember to call again. Just say, if you want to come out, you better come out. Everybody moves on. There are things we must never see as being normal. And these are the things God wants to give us victory over. Victory over wickedness. Victory over failure. Victory over error. That's why I love what the Bible says in James chapter 1 and verse 5. He says, if any man lacks wisdom, he says, let him marks of God that gives all men freely. The message translation puts it this way. He says, if you don't know what you are doing, pray to the Father. He loves well. He says, and you won't be condescended to when you ask for it. He says, ask boldly, believingly, without a second thought. You know why you need victory over error? If you are always making mistake after mistake after mistake, you will get to a point your destiny may not recover from it. You know there are mistakes that when you make, it can mar you for the rest of your life. You may present a front to people as if you have moved on. Thank God for the fact that we serve a God of restoration. Such errors, it is only God that can rewrite the story of a man when they've made such errors. In case there is anybody under the sound of my voice, you have made a decision that has put you in error. I pray that God will give you restoration. In the name of Jesus. Maybe it's in business. Maybe it's in car. You know, some people have made decisions. Haven't you noticed that there is nobody that makes a, an, that, you know, er, that has an error in judgment when it comes to business? They put money in the thing. They lose everything. Nobody did that, does that deliberately. That as I invest all this money, I will just lose everything and start all over again. Everybody always believes they are making the right decision. And it is possible for a man. You know why he said it's possible to have victory over error? Because all through the life of Jesus, there was no error in his decisions. And the Bible says we are supposed to be like him. You know, one of the reasons, major reasons why Jesus came, the Bible says so that God sent his son, I think that should be Romans 8.29, right? You can have it on the screen. He says so that we can be conformed to the image of his son. So literally, God sent his son to the earth to be a template for you and I. A template. He says, for whom he did for no, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Oh, Jesus never made mistakes. You see, some of this things might sound foreign to some of us. But, oh, human being is human. See, Jesus, when he operated on the earth, he operated as son of God, as a human being. The same way you and I today will refer to ourselves as sons and daughters of God. But what helped him was the Holy Spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So it is possible to live a hero-free life. Ignorance of this fact is what makes some people just marry anybody. He said, well, it's life. I, I grew up in an environment where they said marriage was a black market. How of us have heard that before? 
say oja okunkun it simply means you are not sure of what you are choosing once you just choose you will be drinking water on the rest. <laughs> and i saw rubbish marriage left right and center everywhere dicking slapping wife dickness locking the cloth of elder rubbish everywhere but something just told me as a young boy this something is missing something is missing life can be better than this some people they always make mistake with money it's a spirit you give them 10 million naira they, in fact the abundance is a disservice because it will amplify their error may you be delivered from error you know there is something called the spirit of error ah may you be delivered from it in the name of Jesus so how do you experience victory victory over oppositions how start tonight and continue tomorrow number one never run away or back down from any fight never never run away or back down from any fight in that passage of scripture where we read earlier in exodus chapter 17 verse 8 to 9 the bible says then came amalek and moses said go out he said to joshua go out and fight look at your neighbor and say go out and fight did you see that he said and go out fight with amalek many christians don't have a fighting spirit god will do it if it will happen it will happen really see let me tell you something god already said his son ah the seed of man was going to crush the head of the serpent but did you know that until man did something about it even jesus could not come to the world did you know that read your bible in the gospels the bible says that the day they brought jesus into the temple to dedicate him simeon and hannah when they saw jesus they said now your servant can die in peace seeing that the consolation of israel has arrived what that simply means that they were part of the people that prayed jesus into existence see there are many things god has prophesied over your life that your pastor has prophesied if you don't pray about it and the fighting we are talking about is not the one that you stay on the road. Somebody bashes your car, you now remove your shirt. He said, Pastor, I said we must have a fight. <laughs> if I drive past you, I say, Pastor, I will just drive. I don't know you. <laughs> That's not the fight we're talking about. The fight we're talking about is having an attitude that says that I'm not going to give up until what is mine comes to me. Many of us, we just leave so many things on the table in business, in career. You can see that people are trying to take your shirt in your industry. You train someone and they are trying to literally steal your business from you. Steal your clients. And you are saying things like, hey, my, my own things will not pass me by. Really? They say, well, yeah, look away. What are you looking away from? I don't know. That's when you look well. That's not when to look away. Moses said, go out and fight. Fight for your family. Fight for your finances. Fight for your health. Fight for your marriage. Some people, you see their marriage going through crisis. And you don't know that it is a devil's strategy to make you give up. There was a day I was studying when the Bible says, put on the whole armor of God. 
Haven't you noticed that when the Bible spoke about the armor of God, I think it's in Ephesians, I can't remember the specific chapter. Everything it talks about, there is no part of it that mentions the covering of your back parts. Everything is covering the frontal part. So the moment you turn your back against the enemy, you are dead. And that's what the enemy wants. He wants you to give up. I just said, this marriage thing, self. This marriage thing, and you turn, is over. They say it is not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. People don't win because of size. They win because of the spirit of determination on their inside. I'm not going to give up. There are things you must learn to fight for. Some of us, you must learn to fight for your health. Because that's your position the enemy has brought into your life. It makes you to keep going around the same circle. There are things you keep spending money over. Over and over. So you are not able to do anything much. Anything worthwhile with money. You must learn to fight. You must get to a point where you say no more. You know the Bible tells us that David, when he was going to fight Goliath, he didn't wait for Goliath to come to him. The Bible says he ran towards Goliath. So it simply means for a believer we must possess is there an offensive spirit now? Not a defensive spirit. Enough. So before the devil even tries to <laughs> do anything, you, you are battle ready. You are battle ready. Battle ready. Some of us must learn to fight for our dreams. You can literally see your dreams slipping out of your hands. Your vision slipping out of your hands. You have tried to do certain things, it didn't work, and you just want to give up on it. And you know deep within yourself that this is not a human competition. God literally gave you this vision. And you're just about to give up. In the remaining days of this year, you must learn to fight for what is yours. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Look at your neighbor and say, learn to fight for what is yours. And you know where you learn to fight? On your knees. And that's a figurative statement. In the place of prayers. Because some of us, we don't do well praying on our knees. I have tried this several times. The result is always the same. I say, I'm going to pray for one hour. <laughs> I will pray five minutes. I will wake up 55 minutes later. <laughs> on my knees. <laughs> oh, but I'm so glad that when I read the Bible, I did not see that God said he will answer your prayer according to your knees. So I got my deliverance the day I saw that. Don't pray on my knees. I can't succeed praying one hour or 30 minutes kneeling down. I can't. So like my pastor, when he arrives, you know, into the auditorium, most time, Reverend, we just get, when he gets to his seat, we kneel down and pray. I can't try it. I may sleep off. We just see the pastor is snoring his heart. <laughs> but it's not that bad. <laughs> no, I don't do that. But if I sit down, I can be on that seat for 10 hours. Must possess a fighting spirit. In the remaining days of this year, as we prepare for the second half, you must be battle ready. Those expectations that you have written, you must have a fighting spirit that this thing is either it happens or it happens. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's one of the ways to be victorious in the midst of opposition. That this thing is either it happens or it happens. My marriage is going to work or it's going to work. I'm going to be financially prosperous or I'm going to be financially prosperous. I'm going to be healthy or I'm going to be healthy. Leave no room for alternatives. 
In Deuteronomy chapter 2 and verse 24. Let's have it on the screen, please. Deuteronomy chapter 2 and verse 24. God said to the children of Israel, and I believe he's also saying the same thing to us. He says, rise ye up. Are we already together? Take your journey and pass over the river Anon. Behold, I have given into your hand Sion the Amorite, king of Ishbon and his land. Now do what? Begin to possess it and what? Doesn't this sound contradictory? You said you have given me. Well, if you've given me, shouldn't I just move in? He says begin to possess it. It simply means a process. How do you process it? By contending in battle. Everything God has given you, you must fight for it. It will fall in your laps. Many of us, the reason why some things have not happened in our lives this year is not because God has not given you. It's because we are expecting that God will fight. You know, there is a way we can call scripture to negate scriptural principle. Yeah, God said, hold your peace, you shall fight for me. Not this type of fight. Not this type of fight. Number two. Surround yourself with men of like minds. And when we say men of like minds, we mean men that also have a fighting spirit. <laughs> you see, if everyone around you is lethargic about their life and destiny, very soon it will rub off on you. It will rub off on you. You know, there are some people, there is no ambition, there is no much desire. If things work, you know, some people, as long as they can find a place to sleep, there is food to eat and clothes to wear, they are fine. We brought nothing into this world. We shall take nothing out of it. If you have that mindset, let me tell you something today that nobody may have ever told you. You are a wicked person. You know why? Because if you have that kind of attitude, you are of little or no use to God and humanity. Because if you don't have personal success, there is no way you can be a part of God's agenda on the earth. If you don't need it, God's kingdom needs it. It's a sign of wickedness. And I hope I'm going to get there in these five days. You know, when God gave three guys, he gave one five talents, gave one two talents, gave one one talent. When he came back to receive reports, the one that had five multiplied it, the one that was given to multiply it, the one that was given one, he did nothing with it. What did the master say? He says, thou wicked and lazy servant. He didn't say, ah, thou, he didn't say thou servant that does not know how to multiply money. No, he said, you are a wicked man. Is that the least you could have done is to give the money to the bankers and it will yield some interest. So surround yourself with people that have a fighting spirit. See, some of us in the remaining days of this year, you may need to literally build new friendships. Because the friendships that you have, your friends cannot take you to your destiny. The ones in your life now. Because when you are going through a moment of discouragement, they help you more in your discouragement. They say, oh, actually, God, God no go shame us. It will happen when it will happen. See, there is nothing that has happened for people when they possess the attitude of it will happen when it will happen. <laughs> you see, the changing of the times and seasons of men, it is men that provoke it, not God. God will make everything available, but you must take your part, you must play your part. Why is this a principle? You will notice here in the ninth verse, one of the things Moses said to Joshua, if you can have it on the screen, please, I'm going to use that passage of scripture throughout this evening, right? And if God would allow me to continue in this line of thought tomorrow, I'll do that. Verse 9, he says, choose us out of men 
and go out and fight with Amalek. So, for Joshua to fight with Amalek, one of the things that Moses said to him is, choose men. Choose simply means there are many people. He didn't say, tell the men and go and fight. He said, choose. The same thing God did with Gideon. There were 32,000 people. God only chose 300 of them. See, it is not in the numbers of people. It is in the quality of men. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I have a friend that went through a challenge many years ago. Not many years ago. A couple of years ago. Like three years ago. And next time I look at him, I'm just like, wow. <laughs> Even if you don't want to be my friend again, we die here. Because I've never seen someone. He's younger than me. Who has a fighting spirit like that man? Who went through what he went through in business and is still standing? I've seen people who did not go up to half and they've committed suicide. Committed suicide. Some people, his text message, they are sending about them. Obituary. They are owing lapo money. They are already all over the place. When all the police in the country literally has your number. And you are still standing. Oh, I love people with a fighting spirit. With a fighting spirit. Do you have a fighting spirit? If you don't have it, do the people around you have a fighting spirit? If they don't, you may never be victorious in life. Never. Never. And let me tell you this. God, there are things God does not do to individuals. He does them in groups. That's why when Jesus was going to, you know, before his ascension, one of the things he said to the disciples, he said, go to the upper room and be together in one accord. I'm not going to give you the Holy Ghost individually. It's going to come upon you when you are together as a group. So some things may never come into your life. Some victories you may never taste. You are not surrounded with people with a fighting spirit. Number three, identify your real enemy. Identify your real enemy. If you notice that Moses told him, he said, go out and fight with Amalek. He was specific in who he was fighting with. Hmm. See, many of us need to realize who our real enemy is. Your enemy is not your boss. Your enemy is not who you think your enemy is. You know who the enemy is? It's the devil. See, never forget that the devil is a spirit. When you see, there is no place you see in the Bible where God said you should kill people. Especially with prayers. Many people today have adopted the responsibility of spiritual assassin. If you kill someone, the devil that is controlling them can jump into another human being. So if you don't address the spirits influencing them, and you successfully assassinate them with your prayer, huh? that spirit will jump into somebody else, and you will fight that, but you will just keep fighting. That's why you see that people who are spiritual assassins, they always have the same prayer points. They never recover from it. It's a loser strategy. Because your real enemy is not another human being. Your real enemy is the spirit influencing another human being against you. That's why the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Flesh and blood simply means human beings. It says, but against principalities, against powers, rulers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Number four.
have what I call an unshakable conviction. An unshakable conviction. First John 5 and 4, verse 4. Let's have that on the screen. First John chapter 5 and verse 4. Let's have that as a reference. First John chapter 5 and verse 4. The Bible says, whatsoever is born of God does what? Overcomes the world. And he said, this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our what? That's how I describe faith. An unshakable conviction. That's what faith is. Unshakable conviction. A conviction such that even when everything around you seems to contradict what you know, you still believe in what God has said. Oh, he said it, I believe it. And that settles it. That settles it. Even when what I'm currently going through does not align with what it seems as if I'm convinced about, it's not going to shake my conviction. Because the Bible says this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Even our faith. Many of us have not gotten to that place of unshakable conviction. That's why when someone says something or you are going through something, it affects you. When you have an unshakable conviction, no matter what you go through, it does not affect your body language. It does not even affect your belief. I've seen the way, you know, sometimes when you see people lose maybe a loved one, there are times when you know when people have an unshakable conviction or not. You know, the Bible says, if only in this world we have hope. He said, we have all most miserable. There is a way believers should mourn. There is a way unbelievers should mourn. I've seen people who claim to be Christians. They just lost a job. It's not a good thing to lose a loved one. Or lose someone, lose something. And the words that come out of their mouth. See, if you only have faith when things are good, you don't have faith. You know the truth of your faith. When everything in your life contradicts what you claim to believe. And you still stand on the promise of God and say, I believe, I know a woman I have believed. And if his word says this, I believe this is going to be my reality. And you know one thing about faith is this. Faith speaks. Whatever you believe, it will find a way of coming out of your mouth. Haven't you noticed? Oh, it always has a way. It was Gloria Copeland that said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth leaks. He said, it doesn't speak, it leaks. So what is on the inside of you, you will find out that it will be coming out of your mouth. How does rise up on our feet tonight? What are the things you believe? What are the things you believe will happen to you before the end of this year? What is that unshakable conviction you have? In the next two minutes, I want you to begin to declare words. In this house, we are not foreign to the power of the spoken word. I want you to begin to declare the things you want to see in the remaining days of this year. Oh, in case you don't even have anything to say, just speak the promised increase for the season. Come on. It may seem as if your life is a contradiction to what you believe right now, but speak it all the same. Oh, Apostle Paul said, we believe and therefore we speak. He said, we have in the spirit of faith, we believe and therefore we speak. What you don't believe is what you are ashamed or afraid to say. If you truly believe it, you are going to say it. Oh, Makotala Bayerebosia.
Mande kopari adakatos kele mande shalabaya. Kigale boso tapraki anda gada boshataya. Delamoski pandili ora batashe. Le parandi kiliode. Tugabala maro setelia. Deloshki para manakapayere bosia. Say the things you believe. Declare your victory over sickness. Declare your victory over lack. It's one of the ways you enforce your victory. By your words. Declare it. Oh, I am victorious over lack. Victorious over sickness and diseases. Victorious over stagnation. In the name of Jesus. Oh, shekapala baye. Victorious over error. No more error in my steps. No more error in my decisions. In the name of Jesus. Kipala baron takapayigadosh kalamande. Oh, kalimande sopragidosh kabaya. Jesus did not die. For me to live a defeated life. Oh no. He died for me to be victorious. For the Bible says. What is the lamb that was slain to receive for me power. Therefore I decree and declare. In the remaining days of the sea and beyond. Victory is mine. In the name of Jesus. Victory is mine. In the name of Jesus. Oh, Mashetaya Kapari and In Jesus' name we have prayed. There's a prayer I want us to pray. It's one of the prayers that changed my life and my wife's life. I can remember, I think it was 2000 and. 16-17 we started praying this prayer intensely oh and it turned everything around and I know it will turn your life around if you take it seriously Zechariah chapter 13 and verse 6 Zechariah chapter 13 and verse 6 Zechariah chapter 13 and verse 6 it's a scripture you must never forget please write it down One of the things I've realized and I've said it to us a couple of times is that human beings are God's method for getting anything done on the earth, right? But also never forget, human beings are also the devil's instruments for doing anything on the earth. Can we already together want to go? And one shall say unto him, what are these wounds in your hands? Then he shall answer, those with which I was wounded. Where? In the house of my friends. In the house of your friend is not where you are supposed to be wounded. Some of us may have heard the story of Julius Caesar. Some of us have heard the story of Julius Caesar. Oh, you don't read history. Julius Caesar used to be the um, Caesar, like the emperor of Rome. And his men ganged up against him. You know, that day he was walking into the Senate and they just stabbed him. As a matter of fact, the calendar we use today globally, January to December... It was Julius Caesar, God used to create it. Man with a vision, massive things he wanted to do. But the Senate were threatened. But you know when he died? Was when someone he trusted the most 
Brutus. Turn back and that guy just stabbed him. When he looked at him, he said, Etsubute. I'll never forget. My mom used to tell us the story when we were growing up until I read it myself. He said, Yutsu Brutus. That was the stab that killed him. Some of us, the reason why you have not gone further than where you are right now is because of, relation, of some relationships in your life. I learned that the hard way. We learned that the hard way. Some of us, you are helping people you should be giving donations to. Do you understand what I just said? Some of us, you are teaching people the trade, the, um, the trade secrets of your business when you should be giving them handouts. Some people, the devil has positioned them in your life to destroy you. But yet, you are, you are, you are even the one empowering them. We are going to pray tonight. I'm going to say, Father, in the name of Jesus. Oh, see, I want you to pray it. Okay, you want me to shout before your whole voice is loud? See, this is a personal revival. I'm also going through mine. Uh-huh. So please take it seriously. I'm going to say, Father, in the name of Jesus, separate me from every wolf in sheep's clothing. Separate me from every enemy appearing as friends. Lift up your voice and turn that into prayers. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus. Separate me from every wolf in sheep's clothing. Every friend whose intention is to wound me. Every friend whose intention is to destroy me. Father, separate me from them. In the name of Jesus. Separate me from every wolf in sheep's clothing. Separate me from every enemy appearing as friends, oh God. Ah, Kaleboto so papa yedebosia. Iya la mante kopari anda kolebo setelia. Iya lima di kopaparia. Endelebo so pari anda kapaya debosi. Separate me from every enemy appearing as friends. In the name of Jesus. Kalobopoto si papari anda. Shilamande koporo diata Lebriando kotosopandiri Roseko papa luneni kiadaya Shelemonda kaparadinia Oh balabada bayadaba Deliver me from every enemy appearing as friends In Jesus name we have prayed Psalm 41 and verse 9 We are still going to pray that prayer Psalm 41 and verse 9 Psalms 41 and verse 9. Can we all read together? Yes. My own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, has done what? So feeding people does not guarantee their loyalty. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It doesn't. It doesn't. First lady was with someone yesterday and she went to see the person, the person whose name if I mentioned, almost everybody here would know. He said the person was just telling her about her experience in business. In fact, when she was narrating it to me, I was just like, at that point, because I was almost feeling sleepy, I was just trying to take a nap. I was like, no, are you talking about what we went through or what that person went through? The person was just saying our story exactly. 
how she raised somebody in business and the person literally wanted to kill her. These are names, both brands, if I mention those names, everybody here would know the person, the people. You see, the devil will not use people from a far place to attack you. He's always a familiar friend, not just a friend, familiar. That's why the prayer would be, Lord, deliver me. Because you can't deliver yourself. Because you can't even recognize them. You can't. You see, when the Pharisees needed someone to betray Jesus, who did they use? Nicodemus? Joseph of Arimathea? No. It was the most trusted person. Do you know Jesus trusted Judas more than Peter, James, and John? You don't believe. Who was the treasurer? Who do you trust most with your money? Who do you give your money to? Is it not the person you trust the most? It was that same person they targeted. They say, you, we know you can help us get Jesus. And for you to know that Judas was not in his right frame of mind. Judas always believed because he had so worked with Jesus and he knew how anointed he was. He believed that when he handed over Jesus, Jesus will escape. That's why when he realized Jesus has been crucified, he could not take it. He had to commit suicide. All his mind, he believed, ah, Jesus. Jesus that I know. He knew when they wanted to kill Jesus and the Bible says he disappeared. So he thought Jesus would do it again. So you are going to pray. You are going to say, Father, in the name of Jesus, deliver me from every relationship that is not contributing to my destiny. Lift up your voice and turn that into prayers. Every relationship that is toxic to my destiny, Father, deliver me from such relationships. Ah, deliver me, O oh God. No matter how emotional I have with those relationships, deliver me. Deliver me. Deliver me, O oh God. Hey, Kapalebosotelia. Deliver me from every toxic alliance. Deliver me, O oh God. Coming on Toske Paparino. Shila Barabakateye Gedintas Kopapa. Oh, Jigabali Montos Kapaya. Deliver me. Deliver me, O God. Silamanda Baron Teke Payaku Shalima Paro Kidos Kepara Badayaraba. Deliver me, O God. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we have prayed. First Chronicles 12 and verse 21 to 22. This is what we're going to pray about tonight. This is the direction. I've written out prayer points, but this is what God would have us do tonight. First Chronicles 12, 21 to 22. The Bible says, and what? That's not everybody. And what? They helped David. That word they simply means it was more than one person. For Jesus to carry out his ministry on the earth, he needed people. There is nothing you want to achieve on the earth that you will not need people. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, for instance, you come to the gateway service, a lot of things are working simultaneously. I'm not the only one doing it. There are people doing it. Even the way your body works as a human being, there are so many systems working at the same time for you to be alive. It's not only your circulatory system that's keeping you alive. Right? So the Bible says they helped David against the band of the rovers. 
For they were almighty men of valor and they were captains in the host. So the Bible was specific in describing the kind or deliberate in describing the kind of people that helped David. They were not people that needed help where David needed help. See, let me tell you this. If you are surrounded with people that need help where you need help, they can't help you. The Bible says for at that time, every day, that's what that day by day means, they came to David to help him. Or it was a great host, like the host of God. As a business person, you need helpers. As a career person, you need helpers. There is nobody that does not need helpers. You are going to lift up your voice. You are going to say, Father, in the name of Jesus. In the remaining days of this year, raise up helpers for me. Turn that into prayers. Father, in the name of Jesus. In the remaining days of this year, ah, raise up helpers for me. Raise up helpers for me. For that dream. For that assignment. For that goal. Raise up helpers for me. Help us. From distant lands. Help us. From near places. Help us. Help us. In the name of Jesus. Help us. I receive the helpers. Hey, Kabalerosia. Helpers of destiny. Quality helpers. Kalibo Soto Belegeria. Helpers. For some of us, your helpers will come in form of business partners. For some, it will come in form of staff. Helpers. Naaman's helper of destiny was a slave in his house. Help us. Help us. Oh Lord, I receive help us. On a daily basis. I receive help us. Help us in the name of Jesus. I've become attractive to my helpers. I'm attractive to my helpers. My helpers find me attractive. In the name of Jesus. My helpers find me attractive. In the name of Jesus. Oh, In Jesus' name we have prayed. There are some words God impressed upon my spirit, and I'm going to declare those words right now. And I want you to please receive these words. Most times when the Spirit of God puts these words in my spirit, I always make sure I document them so that I don't forget them. The first thing he said I should say to us is that his judgment and vengeance will visit everyone seeking your death. Now, for some of us, the death that someone may be seeking may not even be your life as it were. 
You know, as a confirmation, yesterday when first lady was just talking to me, I didn't tell her when she said the person was telling her that, oh, this person that she trained and raised, that literally the person went diabolical. I went after her life. Someone she fed, someone she raised, and I was not surprised. When I told people they always shot, there was a time we had nine people living in our house. We're feeding nine people. Some of them to date since they left. It's been years. Not one text message of thank you. Some literally turned against us. And so I've been there. I know what I'm saying. Some people, the death they are seeking for is the death of your work. Some of us is the death of your livelihood. Because once your livelihood is gone, you are almost gone. You are alive but almost dead. So I decree and I declare. Oh, if I'm called of God, before the end of July, let the vengeance of God visit those seeking your death. In the name of Jesus. Everyone resisting your advancement, I decree and declare, everyone clears them out of the way. In the name of Jesus. When we're praying on Sunday at the five, I, I, I mentioned on Sunday that and as many people as want to join me that I feel a burden to pray for two hours on Sunday. While I was leading the prayers, in case some of us heard you, remember that I was saying six days in six months, or maybe six months in six, six months in six days. You know, and most times that's a prophetic word because I didn't know what it meant. So I kept, kept checking in my spirit and I asked, what's, because when I was praying personally again, it just came out again, six months and six days. And this is what the spirit of God said. He said, some things are going to happen for some people within six days that should normally take six months. For some people is that it will start within six days. Something that will naturally happen for six months. And so I decree and declare, receive the blessing of six months and six days. In the name of Jesus. For some people, your stories will literally be rewritten in six days. In the name of Jesus. For some people, opportunities will show up for you in six days. For some people, there are things you have been trying to execute. Approvals you've been trying to get. And they have said, uh, maybe in four, five, six months, it's going to happen. I decree and declare, let it happen in six days. Let it happen within six days. In the name of Jesus. Where the heavens have been closed over your life, let it begin to open now. Let it begin to open now. Let every struggle come to an end. Ah, I have struggled before. It's not a good place to be. It's not a good place to be. I decree and I declare. Whatever represents a struggle in your life, financial struggle, struggling in your career, marital struggle, I decree and I declare, it ends in this month of June. In the name of Jesus. This one I had it very clearly. I want everyone to listen to this. Please listen to this. I had this one very clearly. God said that you say to us that every line that you have crossed, you will forever cross it. 
in the name of Jesus. Let me explain what that means. Some of us, this year, you have made money you have never made before. And you are beginning to hear whispers that, ah, you might go back to where you are coming from. God said, I should say to you, that line you have crossed, you have crossed it forever. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. For every line you have crossed, there will be no reversal. In the name of Jesus. There shall be no repetition of evil cycles. Whatever you have seen happen in your parents' life, happen in any family member's life, and it is beginning to repeat itself in your life, maybe in health, maybe in marriage, maybe in finances, I put an end to such evil cycles. In the name of Jesus. There shall be no reversal. You will not reverse into failure. You will not reverse into stagnation. In the name of Jesus. Every door of opportunity that God has opened unto you shall remain open. Every door of breakthrough God has opened will forever remain open. Every door of increase God has opened unto you will forever remain open. In the name of Jesus. Nothing will shut the door God has opened. No one will be able to shut it. Nothing will be able to shut it. Let your head be lifted. In your space. Among your contemporaries. Let your head be lifted. In your industry. In your place of work. Let your head be lifted. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let the favor of God speak for you. In the name of Jesus. I decree and I declare. You will not be behind the life. You will not be behind the life. You will not serve your contemporaries. In the name of Jesus. I decree and I declare once again. You will not be behind the life. At every season of your life. The things you ought to do. You will have the resources to do them. You will have the capacity to do them. In the name of Jesus. Oh somebody pray the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name we pray. While I was praying, one of the things the Spirit of God also said to me is there's maybe, I don't know, it's maybe one more than one person, but I had it expressly that there is someone you're going through a season of disappointment. I don't know, maybe it's in business, or maybe somebody asks you how they're supposed to marry. I don't know the details, but it's a major disappointment. And God said, I should say to you, it will give you a worthy replacement. It will give you a better replacement. And now you will know it is the Lord. Is that before the end of this year. It will make it obvious. <laughs> you know there are replacements. That makes you forget disappointments. In fact. There are replacements that you will be excited. The disappointment happened. I decree and declare. Let there be replacement for every disappointment. In the name of Jesus. 
in the remaining days of this year, you will eat in plenty. They are removing subsidy. Diesel price is going to increase. That is not your business. My God, not the government. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. In the remaining days of this year and beyond, you will eat in plenty. You will be plenteous in goods. The Lord shall increase you more and more. The Lord shall increase you more and more. In the name of Jesus, you shall not diminish. Nothing will reduce in your life, in your work, in your business, in your family. I speak increase. In the name of Jesus, increase on every side. Increase in every place. Increase in everything. In the name of Jesus, increase in helpers. Increase in supporters. Increase in wisdom. Increase in visibility. Increase in sales. Increase in clients. Increase in job offers. In the name of Jesus. Someone may have said to themselves when I gave that word that I have not even crossed any line this year. I want everybody to take a prophetic action. Move backwards. We are going to take, you are going to take a leap. I want you to have it in your mind. What is that thing you want to cross before the end of this year? On the count of one to three, you are going to cross it. You are going to jump and you are going to declare it with every strength you can muster that before the end of this year, I am crossing this line. One, two, three. Now jump. Begin to decree and declare. Begin to decree and declare. I am crossing those lines. I am crossing those lines. Every line they said I will not cross. <laughs> I am crossing those lines. This year, my business is crossing that line. In career, I'm crossing that line. In my family, I'm crossing that line. Oh, come on, come on, come on. Decree it. Declare it. Decree it. Declare it. I cross lines of limitations. I cross every line of stagnation. Oh, where no one has gotten to in my family. I get there, I exceed it. I exceed those steps. I break boundaries. I break barriers. In the name of Jesus. Oh, Shaleman de Copapariada. Igata Balabatekege de Bosha. In Jesus' name we are prayed. Please bring out your expectation cards. You are going to put it on the floor. You are going to step on it. <laughs> it's another prophetic action. Because the Bible says, Who are you, O mountain, before Zerubbabel? So you shall become a plain. And you shall bring forth the airstone thereof with shoutings of grace, grace unto it. We're going to bring this before God and we're going to step on it. And you're going to begin to decree and declare. You're going to speak to it. Because you yourself, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed. And does not doubt in his heart. Jesus said, you shall have whatsoever he says. In the next six seconds, begin to decree and declare. Every of these expectations is becoming my testimony. In the name of just Before the end of this year, every expectation without fail becomes my testimony. In the name of Jesus. Oh, I decree and declare. A speedy manifestation of every heart's desire. 
in the name of Jesus. Everything is aligning in my favor and for my good to cause all this to come to pass in the name of Jesus. In Batiska Paros Kapani, Lescoponde Inanika Protos Katalabaye, Zubali Manamayekete. Every mountain standing before me in form of these expectations, I decree and I declare, you have become a plain even before me in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name.